Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Nile and Nine podcast. On this episode, myself and Andrea are going to be joined by Louise Bruton, one of our favourite uh, guests to come on the show. And of course, when, when Louise is around, there's always a good chance we'll be talking about pop music of some kind of form. And we've got a very particular, a juicy episode, I guess, this week, because we're talking about the Britney Spears autobiography, which is called The Woman in Me. Uh, we have all listened or read it in the last couple of weeks, and uh, there's been a lot of things that came out of it. It's basically Britney Spears in her own words for the first time ever. Here's a woman who's been through so many different things, from a conservatorship where she didn't have control of her own life to different breakups and different, uh, well, basically a lot, of the, a lot of the book is actually about the conservatorship and how her family have controlled her life and all of the horrible things she's been through. And... It is a fascinating listen and read. It's uh, the the audiobook is read by Michelle Williams. Very well Very read well. by her. Yeah. I thought she was excellent. She has the gravitas required, but and also she just does. really interesting. Like to hear from someone like Brittany, as we discuss with Louise on this episode. You know, from someone who, you know, we talked about this in terms of conspiracy theories around free Britney and all this kind of stuff, and how she was actually fine or she was sending coded messages to people. A lot of it was true. A lot of it seems to be true. And in fair play to her for actually getting this far as of what she's 42 now or something like she is picking up the pieces of her life and coming back and, and trying to live despite all the hardship. So I think we're going to talk about what we learned from the book and maybe you have read it. Maybe you've listened to it. And if not, maybe you, we can kind of give you the cliff notes of what's happened as well. So and encourage you to read it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, our guest, Louise Bruton, actually is doing a Britmas, a Britney Spears night uh, in Wigwam in Dublin on December 15th as well. She's such a big fan, so do check that out. And also she's doing a night 
for Gaza as well. Both of those, I think, events in Wigwam. Her and a previous guest, actually, our Swift Again guest, Anna Jacob, will be doing uh, playing 12 hours of pop music in aid of Action Aids Ireland's Gaza Appeal from 1pm to 1am on Thursday, December 7th as well. So let's have a chat with Louise about the Britney book. So listen, we've all we've all read or listened to the new Britney book, um, The Woman in Me, and I'm interested to get Louise and Andrea both your perspectives on, especially Louise yourself as a as first and foremost a fan, but then as a journalist as well and writer. I just think here is a woman we've talked about before on the podcast who, and we talked about the perception and the things that have been thrown at her and how the media perceived her and how they treated her with the the Britney documentary from a couple of years ago. But now we have her in her own words. I mean, do you find you're lear- you learned a lot from this? Is this something that, is there a lot of things that are surprising to you? Are there a lot of things? For me personally, I found it uh, fairly eye-opening in terms of the, the harrowing nature of what she's been going through since pretty much her entire career. Yeah, I think like everybody, we are given the level of background that we just never really got before. Firstly, because she's giving her side of the story, which she kind of famously has never done. Like she, when her and Justin Timberlake broke up, there was very little said by her or her team. Um, And he was then able to have like loads of songs about her. And actually like a fun fact, um, the song Sweet Dreams My LAX, which Rachel Stevens released as a single, was written with Britney Spears in mind as a retaliation to Crimea River. But she was like, no, I don't want to kind of get involved in that sort of tit for tat thing. But then she ended up releasing Every Time, which is a line from the song is, this song is my sorry. But I think it's it's the background. And I know we've all read about the conservatorship and we've all heard about it and we've all heard about Free Britney. But sometimes I think that those words and those like hashtags, we don't really understand what that actually means and more than half the book is dedicated to the conservatorship period and it when you get into the day-to-day of how it limited her life how she says it kind of made her regress into being a child again like it's it's so it's so like warped it's so horrendous that this happened to someone who was just depressed she believes she was suffering from postpartum postpartum depression after having two babies in very very quick succession of each other at a very young age she was about 24 25 by the time she had the two of them and never been given a break like I think that that is the biggest thing like there's so many points in the in the book where she's like all I wanted was a break and she was never granted that so of course there'd be so many things that would build up over just how Show how monumental her initial breakout was to just this escalating kind of um, rise of superstardom that we haven't really seen since Hmm. and probably won't again because this kind of celebrity I think is extinct now this multi kind of dominant force because we've so many different ways of consuming entertainment now that there's no way that we can kind of get sick of 
a pop star. And I mean that with love. <laughs> we, we can't get sick of pop stars in the way that we used to because we now have a choice to switch to another stream. We've a choice to just like log off. Whereas back then, everybody knew about Britney Spears. And Britney Spears had to deal with being Britney Spears at the level that annoyed or kind of entertained us as well. So I my main takeaway from that book is that woman has the strongest will, even though like it faltered a lot. I just can't believe she's still alive. Like for the last half of the book, I'm just like, how how did she get through this? Yeah. And a lot of it came down to her just persevering. Yeah, she talks about a bit one of the times when she's hospitalized that um she she looks back on it now and she thinks that it must have been God, that it can't possibly have been her herself that that got her through that. And like, that's a bit of a testament to like when you're reading it, it is it is literally unbelievable what you and, and you're so right in saying that when, when we understand like we talked a lot about conservatorship. And what it actually means legally on the podcast the last time you were on, we were, when, when we were talking about the documentary and we were talking about Britney and what it actually means. And, you know, looking at it from a legal perspective and no, she can't have access to her phone and no, she can't control her finances and so on. But something that really struck me was her talking about how she was on a diet, basically, of was it chicken and vegetables for two years and tinned vegetables chicken for and two and years vegetables. and I, I nearly have to pause it vegetables. and and just sort of think about how long two years is and she says it in the book she says you know being on a diet that you're controlling being on it like a self-inflicted diet anyone will know that that is like it's all consuming but someone else doing that to you and not allowing you to eat a burger or eat just anything else for two years it's cruelty like it's it's there was something about that that part in particular and you know there's all manner of other cruelties that that were inflicted upon her as well of course but there was just something about that level of control that just made me think like this these people should be in prison like this is this is so much more than just getting Britney her life back and access to her children and you know, control of her life again. It's like, well, where's the justice for for all of this? And I don't know, it just doesn't seem like there is going to be any um, for that family, for that horrible, horrible family, for what they put her through. Like, it's awful. Yeah, well, let's talk a bit about the specifics of what she reveals in the book before we get to maybe the, the aftermath, because, you know, it is... Um, there's a lot to take in there. There's, you know, she starts talking about her grandmother who shot herself uh, eight years after losing her baby. She talks a lot about generational trauma stuff, about her parents and, and how they just had these things that, you know, mean meant that they weren't good parents at times, how she finds music and dance and how it becomes like, you know, her, her main solace and her main thing to uh, escape with. And I think just the thing about the the start of the book is pretty much it's a kind of your standard autobiography. It's like here a famous person, how it starts to become, you know, a real thing. And then you touch she's talking about she's talking about baby one more time and her vision for the video and all this stuff. And you're like, okay. And I thought it was gonna go more in that direction because I hadn't really read up anything about the book itself. Um mm. so it was 
when I did listen to it, which was the audio book itself, uh, is which is read by Michelle Williams and with a a brief intro by the author who who does establish this by saying the book that by saying. Uh, you know, it, this is too traumatic for me to relive. I've already done this. And it like, wasn't okay, so nice on? to hear her voice, though. Like I, when when I press play on it and I and I heard her, I was like, "Oh, Brittany, it's it's it is nice to hear you, even if it is just for this in- introductory chapter." You know, it felt like a nice. That was a nice thing for her to do to do to read the first chapter. I think. Yeah, and it's also really helpful because it like it just underscores the trauma and the stuff that is so difficult for her to come. And I think when you start to move through her career and as she starts to explain, you see, I mean, certainly the stuff we've discussed before in terms of how the media treated her, like going on Carson Daly and TRL and all that and having people, having videos of people uh, saying that you're not a role model and all this stuff and that you are, you should be shot and all these things. We've covered a lot of that before, but I think um, from her perspective, it's just really interesting to hear her. She says, I never, I said, I never said I was a role model. I just wanted to sing and dance. And it was simple as that a lot of the time for her, you know, and I think it was really interesting then to get uh, her perspective on the Justin Timberlake stuff first, because that is something that has been very one-sided. And I don't know how she managed it to keep herself, you know, even back then to not say anything because really she was so wronged in lots of ways and like mm. he and it's so interesting the double standard at play there where he goes off be, become this which is something repeated out the book with her relationship with men is that they are seen as the they're like these heroes and then she's just the the villain in in the background who's left and who is scorned and all that stuff like for the first thing that we we learn about justin anyways is that i didn't know but this is was this previously known that he made her get an abortion and did it yeah and did it at home as well and uh, because he didn't want anyone to know or any paparazzi to know and like just absolutely horrifying that she was made to do that how old was she and he at this stage it would have been around 2003 so I think they had broken up wow by yeah. the time she was 21 or 22 so young yeah but I think with a lot of the a lot of the Justin stuff and why we never heard her side of things um in great detail was I think she bought into this image of herself where she had to be I know she denied it but she kind of mm. had to be a role model she had to be kind of America's sweetheart so she would watch what she would say and I think part of that was just kind of like it's a southern values as well saying anything at all even if Justin yeah well she's so she has such a strange and Mm. persistent uh kind of set of manners like I I don't know if you ever listened to when she did her um kind of her disposition at the court hearing in, in 2021 and the whole time she's just referring to the judge as ma'am and she's just she, like her p's and q's they're like completely in check the whole time so i do think that she is at her very core yeah, a very a nice southern kind girl of well-mannered is, mm-hmm. she herself, yeah. and so i think that she kind of kept quiet and i think part of sort of the eruption in around around 2007 or even before then i think 2004 in my mind is a very key part of 
of the Britney Spears story because that is when she had to cancel her uh, part of her world tour. The last date she actually did was in Dublin in 2004, the Onyx world tour, uh, because she had a knee injury. And it was also when she became engaged to Kevin Federline. And I kind of think she had this just sort of, she had a taste of reality then where it was like, hang on, I don't have to be treated this way. I don't have to kind of just lie down and take, take this abuse, take this criticism the way that I have been doing. Um, and in and around that time, she actually, she gained access to our website and I wish this had been in the book, but this, this actually happened. I remember like checking her website on a daily basis back in like 2005 to see what she'd be saying next, where she would log into her website. She was able to change like the interface and kind of give out to paparazzi, uh, give details about herself um, say that she was taking a break. She earned early retirement, this kind of thing. And she'd share poems that she wrote. There was like some poem about her being a tiger, a tiger behind cages. And just she she's kind of had this rebellious streak in her. And it had been subdued for so long that when it got to the point where she was fully able to um, tell her side of the story or express herself, it was just rage. It was pure rage. And that that was what we ended up seeing um, that night that she she attacked a paparazzi's car with an umbrella and that was rage from her career rage from kind of uh, deep personal criticism but also rage against um, Kevin Federline who she was in a divorce battle with and he had uh, yeah. fully prevented her from seeing her two babies and she was like she had nothing else to do she had nowhere else to turn so she just went out and she's like she's lucky she said I think in the book um, it's she's mm-hmm. he's lucky yeah. I it was just an umbrella yeah. that I had. It's it's lucky that it was just his car. Um, but like that was probably her knowing mm-hmm. that she can express anger, but only so much anger. But like that that's an image that's like burned into a thing. Yeah. A lot of and the context for that is so interesting. Um, like you said, like five months and 17 months, her kids were at that point. And again, this like Federline takes advantage of her in terms of just underscores how, you know, kind of a, like a nice kind of uh, gentle person she is she was just searching for love and intimacy and support and he totally used her to launch his own bullshit career and then the stuff about making her file the divorce paper so he doesn't look bad but also so he has she has to pay the legal fees stuff like that it's just all there and and it's no wonder it's like it's a context that we've never heard before for why that incident happened I mean you can understand it enough because she's been chased by the paparazzi but to have that extra personal detail about like what is actually going on with her she's like they've taken away her kids and that extra context as well and pretty much like has very few uh friends what's her what's her friend's name is it Felicia in it that she talks yeah. she talks about yeah. like uh, yes yeah, so- Alicia would have been a family friend who basically took over uh, the role of her parents because her parents, um, well, her father was, wasn't was on the scene kind of at this stage because um, Jamie and Lynn had uh, separated or were getting divorced around the time that Brittany was like really kind of rising to fame. And so Felicia would go on the road with her mm-hmm. and she became her best friend, her guardian, her everything. But like I, I think like a very kind of key thing that I took on and I assume that you guys did as well. It's like, there's nobody close no. to Brittany. No. Like everybody who has, was kind of by blood close to her, kind of, they, they, they betrayed her. Um, she, it's very easy to see why she has no level of trust in her life because everybody close to her has burned her for some reason or they've used her. And it's just, it's such a, it's such a detrimental thing to 
have trust in to not have trust in your life but to have everybody turn on you and when she describes her wedding which it didn't seem like she had any lifelong yeah, friends there true. it was like Drew Barrymore and Selena Gomez and Paris Hilton people who mm. some of those people she had actually never met before um and it just like to me she just seems to have had the loneliest life for a very very long time like decades of loneliness um and it was just because people couldn't remain close to her without taking advantage of her and now if anyone is to get close to her it's Britney Spears the superstar yeah. you know there's there's nobody really from before who's there for her um because obviously she's had the fallout with her sister and she's had she she says she actually ends the book with kind of saying like I need I know that I I can have nothing to do with my family ever again and she loved her little sister and she loved her older brother and um, I, I know I mentioned to you guys in a text earlier on I think that was the biggest heartbreak for her because she was oh, she always idolized her older brother Brian when she was growing up and then in and around when she was separating from Kevin Federline her brother kind of almost got yeah. this same sort of taste for personal fame himself so he started developing this lavish lifestyle and she was just like oh god there's nobody like nobody's grounded anymore everybody everybody who was in her mm. orbit was now famous in their own right and that just met, must have felt in the book she talks kind about of just so uh, being overshadowing by, text her. by Justin Timberlake for example and then you know I think that family stuff then starts to come into it where she starts talking about how her uh, Jamie Lynn <laughs> I think she calls her a bitch didn't know what you said a little um, bitch and then how she rules the roost at home and she calls her like Brittany says she's a ghost in the house when she comes in no one talks to her no one acknowledges her and she's like what is going on here why am I being so like she's estranged from her own family from early early on it's like they don't understand who she is she's like this money making machine that they eventually latch on to properly and uh take her for all it's worth really and then i think that's interesting then like the only other person she talks about that i can think of from the book is madonna as a role model and now it, it can kind of make sense now because you're like here is a strong headed woman who's been doing her her making this uh work for her in her own career in charge of her own career and one of the ways in which madonna seems to do that is as a necessity for her per, uh for the longevity of of her career is be in charge of how she works things and and have people bow down almost to her demands because that's the only way she can control and Britney sees that and goes well I'm kind of too nice for that <laughs> like you know what I mean like she kind of says mm. that yeah like there's a great story from um when they were filming the video for me against the music and the whole production was delayed because I think did Madonna have a, a war wardrobe malfunction or something and so the yeah. whole thing was delayed and Britney yeah. was just like oh my god I didn't know that was an option but like I could never do that either mm. and it is like you know I, I would never make a force basically you yeah know, like... she was just, I'll just take what's given she didn't realize that she was she was the powerful person in the room but whatever I think there was because because she kind of grew to fame at a time when her family was suffering extreme financial burdens she always felt like she had to do mm. do things for other people I feel like there was a huge level of kind of self-drive that was always at the core of other people's existence. So she maybe never could ever believe that, oh, I can do all of this for me. I can call the shots, um, which and then when she did start to do that, that's when the walls came down and her closest people began to portray her as crazy, began to portray 
her struggles as kind of aggression and like like that is that is just the most manipulative company that you could possibly keep where your weaknesses are used against you and because because she was spiraling people believed it and kind of went along with it so like if we if we were to go back and like revisit 2007 because 2007 on the internet was a completely different uh, world to it is now it was a very cruel world and Britney's mental health struggles were just like blatantly described yeah. as oh she's crazy again she's off the rails um and, and not never from a place of concern never that she needed help and a running thing that she says throughout the book is like all she ever wants is somebody to hold her and like that's physically emotionally or whatever yeah. she just wanted to be held and there was I think no a one big part of her, her to do that. um her not realizing that she can be the boss whether it's on a music video set or of of her own career like my theory is that a big part of that comes from the fact that she began her career as a child you know long before uh even the mickey mouse club like even when she was first going to her auditions when she was young when she was first learning to dance and learning to sing there's when when you're a child in those situations you're constantly asking for permission from adults to be able to do the thing you want to do and and you have to be allowed to get up on stage and sing a song and you have to be on your best behavior to get signed by a talent a talent scout and if that's how you learn that show business works it's no wonder that you sort of assume that the the adults are going to look after you for your whole career do you know that there are people who quote unquote know better than you do and there's these you know she's surrounded by all these industry professionals and these record labels and and I think she just had I don't I, I, I wouldn't say the word is naive but uh, maybe it is well, it was a little bit of a naive assumption that the people around her had her best interests at heart when it came to her career when they very very clearly didn't but I think a huge part of that is when a child enters into show business without developing you know the skills to be able to say no to long working hours or to to draw boundaries between what you want to do and what you don't want to do with your like when she talks about I really like that she talked about the baby one more time video and how she was contributing a lot of the creative ideas to that video but you know a part a part of me hears that and thinks as well you know that's that's not control Brittany that's not that's that's uh, that's still you being allowed to do something if the answer to that was no it wouldn't have happened you know and yeah I think that's I think that it was a horrible and unjustified wake-up call for her when she realized that that people don't have her best interests at heart especially people who can make money from her you know it's just oh, it's such a horrible industry and we've talked a lot on on the podcast with Britney and, and with others about you know children becoming pop stars 16 year olds becoming pop stars and how much you just worry about them and I think that Britney is you know she's the she's the platonic sort of ideal that you think of when you think of, a ch of of what happens when you become famous so young. I think if you read this book as well, you actually are shocked by the level of uh, toxicity and treatment of her family, especially her parents over and the control they have over her. Like I, this is like I described earlier on, like whatever happened to baby Jane levels of like insanity in terms of control and looking after 
like it's she's she's the cash cow and they took the conservatorship allowed yeah. them to take over but just like and then she talks about i think there's a couple of like details like this that i really like helped me appreciate her as a a regular person first and the contrast between that and the control they had like she talks about mundanely keeping receipts for tax purposes that she went through every week and mm-hmm. then her dad comes and takes over her study and like some sort of lifetime movie villain says i'm britney spears now and you're like what the fuck is going on here and then talks yeah. about her mother and how she wrote a book about how mm-hmm. horrible like her daughter was being and like it's like where is the empathy here i was absolutely fuming through that section where she's talking about because i i didn't know her mother had written that book i didn't really know much about her mother going into this i knew a lot more about her father because he was the kind of the the main person that you're talking about when it came to the conservatorship case but her mother writing that book about britney going off the rails and go going on morning television and promoting it and and she says in the book something like that she'd she'd tune in and accidentally see her mother and she'd be like oh yeah and this is my this is my daughter and she's married now and she's pregnant and you know she's only 17 but she's married and um and this is my son and he's this and that and this is Britney and a kind of an eye roll like she's the bad child as though mm. as though anybody would be interested in your story if it weren't for Britney, as though anybody would pay attention to you if, if it weren't for Britney. You know, it, it was just such an ungrateful, like, just I just can't imagine a mother treating their child like that. It's it was I was fuming during that section. I was I and I I felt it even in the way that Michelle Williams was delivering that part of the audiobook. You could she she really sort of got across a sense of rage and a sense of anger, you know. And that's another thing about it is that Britney Spears talks a lot about being angry in this book. And that's, I I think, really welcome. I'm like, yeah, girl, be angry, like, and write about being angry. And and she she communicates it really, really well. But yeah, I was furious during that whole section. Do you remember that, Louise? Like, do you remember that sort of thing happening? Because I've no recollection of the mother. Yeah, yeah, fully. Like, there's just so many... See, this is why it's so great to get her her side of it of things because you know we we the Britney Spears fans would have followed like <laughs> in the we in the community we in the community would have been following everything that was happening to her and like I have long believed like before before the true conspiracies came out mm. that the conspiracies end up being the truth before they came out I long believed that somebody was sabotaging her career I because there's multiple music videos that exist or there's like a lot of footage that exists of um kind of performances that she's done and the worst Mm -hmm. footage is the one that's officially released or joe the the fact that her most critically acclaimed album she actually like co-produced she was the one who was that was blackout in 2007 and it's it was at that point then after that that they kind of like pulled her back in and she wasn't allowed to make any kind of creative mm-hmm. decisions from that point on and the music suffered like there there are some bad songs on a lot of her albums post blackout there's some great ones but it's music that could be for anybody but when she was the one who was kind of leading kind of the choices or leading the direction it was completely her it sounded her it sounded strange it sounded it was more underground 
kind of leanings whereas like like I'm just going to think of there's a great song on the album Blackout called Toy Soldier and it's her completely warping like her southern accent and really leaning into this sort of like southern kind of white redneck uh, kind of vibe to it and then there's a song on Femme Fatale mm-hmm. called I Wanna Go and that could belong to absolutely anybody it just it's it's neither here nor there and I can only imagine just how difficult it was for her because she mentions at some at some points where um I think that she's saying because she collaborated with Will I Am a few times yeah. in her career and yeah. she's like we made one good song together <laughs> <laughs> like so she she knows herself what's good and what's bad and yeah. There was um, the Gimme More video. She mm. she says in the book, she's like, I'm not happy with that video like that. It, it looks so cheap and it looks so bad. And there is actually an alternate video that exists that is so much better. Um, it's definitely on YouTube. Like she looks brilliant. There's a story to it, whereas the official one that's released is just kind of like, who let her yeah. into like Tesco? Yeah, to, to on, on a around. pole as well. Pole. And she, like it just looks so... Yeah, it's pr- it's completely it's purposeless. Or, or if you were to be like conspiratorial about it it's yeah. it's nearly designed to make her look um a bit i don't know unhinged or disheveled or something you know she's not she's she's not the britney that people are used to and you know that idea is is problematic in itself but yeah that was the intention because her father mm-hmm. would have been conservator um after that point um but i think the people in her camp kind of i i think a lot of the people who are officially on her team were influenced by yeah. her family maybe more so than Britney at this point um, because they they wanted to follow the money. So if if they felt Britney was um, unsteady, why would they trust her decisions? And I think a great story that we got that kind of explained the disaster that is her 2007 VMA performance of 2007 um, when she, she said she had, there was like wardrobe issues her hair wasn't right yeah. oh. she ran into Justin Timberlake backstage and she hadn't seen him in so long um Sarah Silverman had said something like the two biggest mistakes Britney Spears has ever made are her like babies so she had to hear all of that before she went on stage and she said she was like sobbing crying and I think I think that Britney over the course of her career mm. has taught herself how to dissociate and that is what we're seeing when she's doing that performance of Gimme More on stage and it definitely as well kind of comes into play when one of the many times that she's hospitalized against her will she says that one of the hardest things for her to have done during that time apart from the endless hours of therapy having to give blood almost every day have been prescribed yeah, so they took her blood pressure three times a yeah, day yeah been um, prescribed lithium even though she was adamant that she shouldn't take it lithium um she said that she was able to look out a window and see everybody coming and going and i mm-hmm. think that that was her life for days on end where the only thing she had to do was look at a window like i don't think she was allowed she wasn't allowed to have a phone i think she was only allowed to watch like an hour of television and yeah, she said 8 p.m to 9 p.m yeah she watched yeah and then she had to go to bed like a grown woman like she nothing was her decision so and she says she'd get up every day and things. say what are we doing she'd have to ask other people what oh, are we doing she yeah. drink coffee oh but like isn't it just it's like something out of the 1950s horror yeah it is but it another is. thing that i couldn't get over was um the level of control that her father had in the end and where he could just decide that she was misbehaving and then throw her into a mental health facility. Yeah, that's insane. 
one reason was she was taking energy supplements. Now, I know America is a different world. Their CVSs have higher, <laughs> like it's, you know, you could get things over the counter there that you would have to, I don't know, have to beg, plead, I don't know, get a dealer for. So I don't know what that means when she says she was taking energy supplements. To me, it's Baraka. Yeah, to yeah. So other people it could I, be uh, it, ketamine. Yeah, or B vitamins <laughs> or something, you know, like it could yeah, be. So she was caught with energy supplements and her father was like, absolutely not. And she just wasn't allowed to take them. And you know, she would need, uh, like, she would need a Baraka <laughs> for the level of performing that she was doing. The and she's on lithium. That she needs to do like, professionally. Um, yeah, exactly. Which you point needs, out is the same drug that some her grandmother was put on um, as well all those years yeah. ago. Exactly. This is a mother who yeah, killed herself with a shotgun. Like it's, it is grotesque. There's actually a brilliant piece on vulture.com and it's all about the history of Jamie Spears' family and just mm. the long history of women being punished mm. in that family for being emotional. Um, and it's funny that even the word emotional, if you say it now, it means something different to what we would have said t- 10 years ago. Mm. If someone 10 years ago was emotional. They were uncontrollable. Someone who's emotional now, we're like, OK, we need to help them. It's it's crazy how different the world is now and how differently we look at kind of mental health and the way that we talk about people. Um, <laughs> and I am aware that I just use crazy to describe something. So I retract that. But anyway, um, but the other thing was. In the lead up to the announcement of her of her second uh, Las Vegas residency, the um, what was it the domination tour or the domination phase show? Um, she was put into hospital again because she was they they were in kind of dance rehearsals and a dancer was showing a move that they wanted Britney to do and she's like, oh no, I can't do that anymore. Uh, just just like a like a kind of athletic. Hmm. Uh, dispute as in like I my body can't do that anymore I'm not 16 and she was pulled the room went quiet people were whispering to each other and then she was pulled out and put into hospital because she was being seen as difficult like she is turning 42 this year she has every right to be like my body isn't the body that you knew from when I was a teenager or a 20 year old and that that was enough for her to be hospitalized against her will so you can only imagine how much Mm. she felt she needed to shut up in her day-to-day life and I think a great thing that she described so when she was doing the piece of me residency which is the the Vegas residency that actually went on a world tour as well I saw it twice in Brighton and then in Dublin and when I saw it I was just like I'm just so happy she's okay like okay is like the the loosest of terms but I remember at the time people been like oh she can't dance she this is terrible blah 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 but like the true fans were like yeah of course she's this has all been done against her will like we knew so much of this was being done against her will but we just kind of wanted to see that spark in her eye that was as much as we were looking for but when she was she writes about that period of time she really she kind of just really lost herself I think for a while and she kind of stopped trying she was still performing but her way of kind of retaliating and I think that this is great because when you look back at videos or footage from this Mm -hmm. period she's just like I didn't move my ponytail I didn't swish my hair and that's what people want when they see Britney Spears perform they want her to see some do some serious hairography (laughs) and she was just like I didn't I didn't move my ponytail and like that was was the level of specifically says like uh that's what men want to see when they see when they see long blonde hair they want to see it swish around and she wouldn't do it 
So there are times on the Piece of Me tour where she like you're just like, oh, my God, the choreography is amazing. She looks great. She's fantastic. She's giving it her all. There's a glint in her eye. And then there's a phase then when it all just drains and it's nothing. And you then read the book and you're like, oh, that's that's that period of time. Like, it's just so interesting. Which period of time did you see her during? It was the end of the tour. It was the end of uh, so she did the world tour just after residency was Mm -hmm. ending. So it would have been August 2018. So it would have been just um, Mm -hmm. five months then that she was put in late after that, that she was then put into hospital. Um, Yeah, because she was promised that after the Vegas residency, she could take a break. But then they're like, oh, no, you have to do a world tour. And then she was promised she could take another break then. But then they're like, oh, no, you've signed another um, contract to do another show. (laughs) So, you know, she did not want to be there. Yeah, she did not want to do that world tour. And the thing that we kind of noticed was like when we saw her at Brighton Pride, um, she didn't know where she was. Like she, the dancers had to be like, you're in Brighton, say hello, Brighton. And like she'd completely zoned out and understandably. So mm. if you were to look at that with no context, you're like, she doesn't even care. But then it's like she actually doesn't know what's happening because people are signing contracts behind her back and telling her she's not well enough to do yeah, this. Well, she's, she's on lithium, fine. she's disassociated, like you said. It's all happening uh, inside and she's just like, well, the only way I can get through this is to just like pretend I'm somewhere else or like mm-hmm. not think about this too much. And, and just, she talks you know, about uh, as well saying the only way to get through the conser- conservatorship, I don't know why I struggle with that word so much, um, was to basically be a good girl. And she was just thinking of her children the whole time and, you know, gaining access to them. And she says, it's really heartbreaking when she said she, she's like, I thought that if I gave them what they wanted, they'd see that I was being good and they'd set me free. And like, of 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 course they didn't. Like, it's, that's not how, that's, that, that's how somebody with your best interest at heart would react and they would want you to get better. But your family don't have that, you know, it's, it's so, so, so deeply sad. But she also believed them, like she believed she was a yeah. bad person because she had been told so many times by her family that she was. So she actually believed it. So like, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I think people currently are still so hard on Britney when they talk about her Instagram. I do too. I don't understand that, that. And I'm like, just let her, she has no idea who she is. She has basically been under control of, of every element of her life and been criticized so hard. She like, we in all of our personal lives can probably pinpoint one comment or one criticism that has completely kind of Mm -hmm. rocked our confidence. Whereas she's had a lifetime of that and she's had a lifetime of being perceived a certain way, been told to present herself a certain way. She, and she said that she needs to learn who she is. And I think that also the greatest kind of like finger up to the world is posting these photos where she it's just like her completely mm-hmm. completely unfiltered but I also do think that there is an element of her trolling I think as so well too because she has famously she has famously over the years trolled paparazzi and there is like she's I think a lot smarter than she lets on sometimes and I think that book the, the book mm. proves that that there is huge intelligence there huge emotional awareness and the fact that like so many of the photos aren't actually chronological, a lot of them are like th- throwback to Hawaii mm-hmm. last year. She put up some photos recently, videos recently, 
um, as in like in October that had Christmas trees mm -hmm. in the background. So like you, all of the videos and photos you're she's posting, you've no idea where they're from. And I think that's part of her being like, you're not going to actually know what's going on in my yeah. life. Like you, you today, you don't know what I look like. So I think that that's sort of like another part of her power where she's sort of withholding how she is and living right now because that's her business. So maybe she's just keeping her Instagram alive by posting all these throwbacks. And I kind of think, yeah, more power to you. You do I what you want to do. I see people sometimes on my TikTok coming up who are probably left over from the free Britney movement, but maybe people who continued to hyper focus on whatever information they can get from Britney. I'm interested in, in your and if it, what, what, whether you've seen any of this, but people kind of zooming in on videos that she posts and saying like, oh no, this, look, the pixels here are strange or she's clearly in front of a green screen or she's looking off to like the side of the camera. If there's one thing Brittany's going to do, it's not look straight down the camera like at all times during her videos. And like she will look off to the side and she'll look a bit like there's somebody behind the camera. And there's a lot of, I think you could call them conspiracy theories about like why why she is that way. I'm curious if you've seen them, how you feel about them and are these people kind of left over from the Free Britney movement? It, meaning, do they have very good intentions and have been proved correct on a conspiracy once before? Do you know what I mean? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, so Free Britney was a conspiracy yeah. theory that was proved true. And people believe that she was posting against her will, which ended up yeah. being true. And she communicated with fans through the color of her clothing. She communicated different things through the way to certain kind of framings of photos. That ended mm -hmm. up being true. And just so unbelievable that it was this kind of it, just this conspirational behavior was true and it mm -hmm. freed her it freed her from it, like just her whole life you couldn't write it and her kind of emancipation from herself you couldn't mm -hmm. write it so I think there is room for conspiracy again because it is hard to believe how Britney can live and I, I don't I don't mean that in a kind of a life or death way but how can she exist in a world that has never granted her any kindness yeah. any grace and now 
there is one video that I was just like, oh my God, this is a green screen. Mm. So I, <laughs> I, you're, and I'd never seen it before and I'd kind of always dismissed it. And I was like, oh, Joe, it, it could be true, but the, it mm. could be true. But I think that this is maybe just a level of protection that she is doing. And like, it's just such a funny thing where people are like, oh, she needs to go back under it again. I was like, no, she mm. doesn't. This is, it's, this is why the conversation around mental health is so difficult for some people because true mental illness is incredibly difficult to watch. Recovery is, in, is yeah. difficult to watch. Recovery is difficult to explain. She is experiencing levels of trauma that we will never, ever, ever, ever understand. We've been given a tiny insight into what that is in this book. I feel like she has another mm. book in her because... You know, there, there's a huge kind of I feel like the book kind of does overlook a lot of her huge cultural milestones and I feel like there could be a lighter book in her about being one of the world's biggest pop stars being the biggest icons that we've ever seen the biggest icons since like Coca-Cola so I think that her recovery needs to be hers and I, I do wish that a lot of the fans would just mm. kind of ease up because it is it's very hard it, like if she's in having a difficult recovery and if she does see any of these comments that could completely yeah. throw her off but it doesn't mean that she should ha have her liberties completely taken away from her again it should never get to the point where people think she needs to be hospitalized because she's taking energy supplements yeah. it should like so she needs to be making her own decisions and i think another sad element to her life now is that she just doesn't have a support network and how how do you develop that? How do you develop that as an adult? Like that's something that we've all battled with. How do you make new friends when you're an adult? How do you make new friends mm -hmm. when you're Britney Spears? And not like just friends, like I don't know. So but, care people who care for you, people who are helping you with recovery, and yeah. And again, she probably has a very complicated relationship with therapy because so much of it was forced against her will, and she has said that she goes to therapy now. But you know she why has she got any reason yeah. to trust a therapist when therapists have been working against her as well so we've never seen anything like this or we've never nothing like this has ever happened to actually be proven mm. true like so many other like pop stars movie stars teen stars from the past we've never had the clarification yeah. that like that definitely happened but with Britney we have and I don't it's the it's a unique case and I that's yeah, so I that's so true about her, the free the free Britney movement that it is it's nearly you know bigger that it's stranger than fiction that it that that it was all right because if you were to look at it at the time and I remember it kind of happening and I remember sort of thinking like like I don't, I don't know what to think here do you know like it's it it just it all felt a bit too um, a bit too easy. Like, oh, is, she, is she sending secret messages? Is she, is she really trapped against her will? You know, is it really as, as horrible as as her fans, as these like super fans are making it out to be? And I was really like, I was suspicious of the Free Britney movement, unfortunately. And then when it all turned out to be right, I'm, I'm like. Oh my God, like this, you know, and I, I felt awful for having that suspicion, but I also think you can't really be blamed for, for, for it either because you're like, this is all a bit too, it's like something from a film or like from a book or yeah, something, you know? The, real, so, the reality is more prosaic than 
the fantastical. Well, you know? it, yeah, it's that thing of like the the easiest or the the right answer is always the easiest answer, and the easiest answer at the time for me was that maybe something's going on, but not nearly to the level that these fans are saying. But not only was it to that level that you know that we was revealed throughout the the her being released from the conservatorship, um. But from the book, it's it, it's even more so like it, it was even more, you know, out of this world, cruel and maniacal and fantastical and just like the levels of cruelty. And I loved when she mentioned the Free Britney movement and she said, you know, she tuned in to her TV one day and there was people with free Britney t-shirts talking about exactly what was happening to her and I was and and she she says like they they saved my life or something like that and I was so happy that she has grace for that she She says a nurse nurse. nurse. that's right yeah so these people who were also like treating her who could have been complicit but Mm -hmm. were like hang on Joe it's just it's an amazing interference that probably changed the the the, the route yeah. of her entire life, and you know, and it, it, like it is really really remarkable um, that the, there are jump you know, like I know she brings up God as well, but like she could see this as a sign. She probably sees that nurse yeah. as like an angel. Who it was just that moment of grace that she, she yeah, and she desperately desperately needed, and it would go on to just change her life forever because it would have been so easy for her to just not find out that this was happening and well like there's incredible I think it was it was in her disposition as well there were things when COVID was happening and she was in her house she wasn't even aware of the level of lockdowns or of when people could leave so she she had um been led to believe that she still couldn't leave her house and then her mother would come with a fresh manicure yeah like there was Joe. she for a while was completely kind of just locked away from all sense of reality or normality and like even like I've always thought that those kind of fashion show videos she posts on Instagram that's her yeah. social life yeah do you know and the clothes that she buys they're never mad designer clothes it's always she says that in the book she's like clothing. I could never dress myself and I still can't but I like having fun <laughs> like yeah, she yeah. likes having fun. And then I, I do think that part of it is it's sort of a, a fuck you where she's just like, let me have yeah. my silly videos. And so, yeah, it's like, yeah, let her yeah, do it. She let her it. do whatever like, she yeah. wants to do now. Even all that other stuff, that all the horrible stuff she had to deal with and then the conservatorship and then not being allowed, being denied denied her own lawyer for that long and then being given she she very diplomatic it's like mm-hmm. her court appointed attorney of 13 years samuel ingham who says never been much help you're like well clearly it never been much help and you kind of wonder like the fam i wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if the family had been like paying him off or something like that just to be absolutely shite at his job because it's just unbelievable mm-hmm. yeah the level of basic information that was denied to her or maybe she'd been so manipulated into thinking that she can't ask for anything mm. for herself anymore. That all of this came not just from the nurse kind of just being like, by the way, do you know this is happening? She called 911. That's how Britney Spears got out of this. She phoned the police. Yeah. <laughs> like, and to think, because she would never really had access to a phone before. And like, just yeah. think about that. She didn't have a phone. Yeah. She couldn't, she wasn't texting people. And if she did, her phone was monitored by her father. 
So someday she managed to get a phone. She managed to make a phone call and she called Mm -hmm. the LAPD. And that is how the Free Britney movement kind of became an online conspiracy. For us, like thinking about any situations where we've had to call the police or the emergency services in like us as kind of normal people leading normal lives. It is at a point of desperation. It's not it's not a phone call you make um, if there's any other solution it's it's there's a point of desperation that comes where you're like well this is actually completely out of my hands and I need help I need help from professional people there is a wrong happening here or a wrong has happened you know yeah, well also her realizing that this yeah. was illegal that you know, crimes were being committed yeah. against her that's that was maybe what the wake-up moment was for her when she heard about free Britney was that oh this isn't because I deserve it this is actually this is not yeah. just and I think that this this is why I do think that there will be another book mm. in her because this was sort of almost like the kind of the, the word vomit of everything mm. that happened. And I think kind of in a few years time when she sort of has kind of rebuilt kind of trust, um, her confidence, like, I don't think she's going to perform no. again, but I, I do think that she will be someone who is in control. Like that could even be something where like she could be like a director or something like that. I think there is something where power needs to be in her hands and i think that that is the best way forward for her where she's the boss yeah um ultimately yeah. And, totally yeah and she talks about as well just how basically it was her family's greed or or like their true colors that really showed um, her that she really needed to do that uh go the extra distance and like make that effort to to break out of this because her her dad was basically like hitting or or shaking her 13 year old son after a disagreement and she was like this mm-hmm. and the, a police report was filed and uh for a straining order right so he's like it's okay he was like right my kids aren't safe never mind it was it wasn't yeah. her safety even though she mm-hmm. had gone through all of that stuff for 13 years i think under essentially house arrest almost and like or work arrest essentially being told what to do and it was only when her kid and she 13 a 13 year old was threatened by her dad she was like no this really has to change and fair play to her she made it mm-hmm. happen like very very difficult and it could have we would maybe never have heard of this if it hadn't have been for that yeah and the, another amazing disruption that she did like just these because she had such limited freedom and the moments that she would have freedom I think she did incredible things with it so when they were announcing the domination Las Vegas residency that never happened there was this huge event in Vegas it was they had like morning shows there Mario Lopez was presenting huge firework display dancers Britney arrives on this kind of huge kind of staircase descends she's meant to do interviews when she gets down there explaining what the tour is about and she just mm-hmm. keeps walking and nobody knows what to do and ever like even mario lopez is like huh and that was her being like i don't have to do anything that you forced me to do so she was she found ways to communicate when mm. she couldn't speak and like i think that that like again kind of what we said at the start like i just admire her will so much and when she had lost that, she found new ways to kind of display it and to kind of build it back up to find out who was and wasn't on yeah. her side. So like that, I think it was a, the last few chapters were just so harrowing. And I just I just think that she is the strongest person. 
And I think that she's someone who will be able to share yeah. her strength because already, and she mentions in the book as well, that she she's hoping that she can kind of change how conservatorship or guardianships are changed. Like she's aware that it, this isn't about her. This is about other people, people who, who mm. don't have um, the finance finances that she has, don't have the platform that she has. So I, I do think that there'll be big changes in the legal yeah. system because of her. Like the state of California, she says. I'd really like if she I'd love if she could sit down and have a chat with Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys because he was in a very similar um situation with his career um and uh, he was kind of under guardianship of his manager and was drugged for decades of his life and you know got free and and just reading Britney's story in her book I just I thought of Brian a lot and I just thought of how how much in common they have now that they have this freedom and you know Brian has been touring a bit and and it's I and I saw him a couple of years ago do pet sounds um which is just incredible but you know he's 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 there in body he's there in spirit and we're all very happy to see him and that's the sort of that's the sort of concert you're going to you know and 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 I think that's fine as long as he's having fun I I would just I would love if the two of them could sit down and have a chat while he's still with us because their their stories are they've they've a lot in common with one another and I think that I I agree with you I think that Britney's future should she want it to be this um is in like ch- changing the law um is in awareness raising and being an advocate because if this can happen to Britney Spears what's happening what's happening to people who aren't pop stars what's what's happening to other women you know it's it's crazy it's and even in the world of entertainment as well just like these you know these high level performers who are doing hundreds and hundreds Mm -hmm. and hundreds of shows Miley Cyrus actually said something very interesting recently as to why she's not going on tour or she doesn't enjoy touring is she's like the level of ego is incredibly hard mm-hmm. to battle with where it's having all of these people kind of screaming you admiring every single move and then having to yeah. go back to reality having to go having to be the ego to being yeah. bearable she just found that too hard so if you can only imagine what it's like after doing one world tour or two world tours world tours back to back that alone plays so much with people's yeah. sense of self their identity their mental health their exhaustion levels everything so it's a apart from all of the grotesque barbaric things that have happened to Britney Spears the level that she has worked has also wreaked mm-hmm. havoc with how she views herself and how she views her and place it must in the have world. been it must have been so lonely for her like performing in that way is I imagine quite lonely anyway but there's there's a chance for connection with your fans at least while you're on the stage but if you're there against your will and you're in this horrible situation constantly and you go out on stage and it feels like all your fans are are supporting the situation because they're happy because you're on tour and and they don't know and you can't tell them even though you're standing there with a microphone in your hand with all the power in the world to just kind of say help me do you know but nothing would be done it must have just felt so incredibly 
lonely for her like it's 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 a it's a level of of um of loneliness that i can't even fathom you know it's and 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 helpless as well you know it's um like touring seems awful like just at the best of times it seems horrendous you know it seems like literally my idea of hell would be looking at what a touring schedule looks like and the amount of planes you have to get and buses and all the traveling you have to do and all the work you have to do and to do all that while this is happening it's like it, it it's unbelievable and and, and, I, and I think it's a, it's a special level of cruelty that they decided that because touring would have been more financially lucrative than releasing records they chose to make her tour do you know what I mean like making her record music that she didn't want to record would be one thing, but forcing her to do this tour, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's a special level of cruelty. Um, that's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Oh, poor Brittany. It's, um, I wanted to ask you, I mentioned it before we started recording Louise. Um, Jamie Lynn is going in (laughs) to the jungle. That one. Um, the timing is interesting I guess the timing of everything that Jamie Mm. Lynn does is interesting so Jamie's book what was it called my side of the story Jamie Lynn released that just as the free Britney campaign was kind of going to the courts um so that was also a very interesting time for her to decide to release a book and of course Britney was fuming about it um because it was opportunistic and just ruthless and there was no kindness to that and there was no kindness in the book about Britney either um and then Jamie Lynn has blamed Britney's fans for her not proceeding in Dancing with the Stars in America couldn't be couldn't be Jamie Lynn's fault so like it's I think that this is the it's kind of tale as old as time in the entertainment industry of families of the cash cow so they try to find different ways to leech off that one yeah. person's success and i think that this is it it's it's you know shows like i'm a celebrity will gladly take jamie lynn because people want to people want yeah. the chaos but i i doubt she'll last very long mm. in it um i think i, I think, think especially not now long. with how yeah, she is. looks in this book you know she really really comes across but like how like, much is she going to be able to yeah, say that's true in yeah. the jungle that's going to change everybody's yeah. minds as she's eating mealworm and but what's what's interesting with Jamie Lynn is that like there's I I think there is a there's a level of ignorance in the jet with the general public as to her I suppose role in in uh in Britney's hardship um, I mean, I, I would I would never put her there with her father and her mother like she's not she's Britney's younger sister. And it's, it is important to remember that she grew up as Britney Spears's younger sister. And that's its own thing. But as an adult, she hasn't been graceful or kind to Britney, um, to put it lightly. Um, and I I don't think the public know about that. I th- I think I think a lot of people kind of like especially you know it's I'm a celebrity it's airing in the UK and Ireland I think in the UK and Ireland we don't like no one watches Zoe 101 you know like there's not there isn't really an understanding of who she is as like a pop culture 
person or who she or whether or not she's involved in Britney's life. I, I think most of the general public are going to be like, oh, that's Britney's sister. That's nice. Hope Britney's doing well. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's, it just feels yeah. like, I'm like, hmm. Because she was rumored a little while ago before I'd read the book. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's obviously coinciding with the release of Britney's book, but fine. And then reading the book over the past couple of days, I've been like, ah, okay. I see now. I see what you're doing. Yeah, like, I don't know what the motivation is to go on I'm a Celebrity, but... I guess it's money yeah. <laughs> or I guess it's to develop a new avenue of I, fame. If I the think one that you it will be a new avenue of good. fame. Yeah. It, it will probably be, be like acting yeah, so or something just... like that. Like reintroducing herself as, as an adult to the celebrity world and as a, an alter, alternative spears, one that is, likable and who you can work with and is professional and and oh god wasn't she great and i'm a celebrity and didn't she do so well in those tasks and you know we've seen this you know we've seen i'm a celebrity as a vehicle for to like rehabilitate fucking matt hancock and like like you know it it works as a vehicle to kind of rehabilitate people in 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 the public's eye and jamie lynn wasn't gonna sign up for anything without knowing that that's the case you know I think I've really came away from this book as a hater of her. <laughs> I will, I'll say that. Well, but, has um, there been any yeah. fallout from this book in terms of real world stuff since the revelations have come to light? Like, has anybody, has Justin Timberlake responded to it? Probably not. Has anyone? Well, apparently he, his team had to approve any mention of him. So okay. what made the cut doesn't paint wow. in a good light, so you can only imagine what didn't get published. Um, I know he. I can't just, believe he approved what he, was published uh, so in that case. Apparently, gone into hiding, and I know his NSYNC um, pal, <laughs> Lance Bass, has defended him, being like, "There's enough going on in the world. Let's lay off Justin Timberlake." I was like, "I don't know. Let let us dig into Justin Timberlake because there's so much going on in the world." Um, yeah. Yeah, and but also yeah. it, it's it's like just just because there's stuff going, I I can't stand when people say things like that. Oh, there's enough going on in the world. It's like, well, for Britney, there's been a lot going on for yeah. decades of her life, and a lot of that stems from what from Justin's treatment of her. Yeah, but I think kind of from all of the reviews you've brought, you've probably looked at of the book, they're all glowing, and I think, I think that maybe a lot of people are having to reflect. On a lot of people in media, I think, will have to reflect on how they have spoken about Britney in the past and how they speak about other celebrities or people in the limelight. And yeah, I think I think that that's kind of one of the, one of the main things. Just it was, I don't know. If she she's just a total outlier in this kind of in the sense of of regaining her narrative that has yeah. never been hers. Um, in terms of a, a narrative, like a, of a modern comparison, I mean, another person I thought about a lot while I was reading the book was Kanye West and how it is difficult to talk about people who have, um, who are suffering from mental illness um, in ways that are um, often, you know, often involve saying and doing extremely offensive things and and that it isn't, 
what we'd imagine to be, you know, a typical sufferer of, say, something like depression and anxiety, where you could, where those feelings are a bit more accessible to people. With, with Kanye uh, being bipolar, I think the press has a much a much harder job of deciding how to paint that. And I don't think they have done a good job at all of that. And I think it's a very, very, very complicated situation. But I think that there will come a time when we look at Kanye West now in in a new light as well. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm obviously of the opinion that I don't, I don't think we've really learned that much from Britney. I think maybe what it is, it's it, maybe there's just a, a, an intersectionality that is missed out. I think maybe because a lot of these cases have been discussed, like Britney discussed in terms of how we treat women in the media and not how we treat pop stars. And it's important to discuss how we treat women specifically, but it doesn't seem to have carried over into yeah, other pop stars and Kanye is a black man and things like that you know that we have maybe as a result of this of the maybe oversaturation or whatever don't we don't really hear from Beyonce anymore we don't really hear from Taylor Swift mm. anymore it, it's all in their music which is the way maybe it should be mm. but there has been doors have been closed on their side mm-hmm. to protect themselves because they've seen what happens when you're everywhere yeah. and your your opinion is always kind of headline news and yeah that's that's kind of a people in the limelight have become afraid of the media for a very good reason and then yeah. for the people who actually enjoy kind of you know reading about art or reading about music where we we suffer as a result of that and it kind of removes an element of their artistry as well, where they can't get to speak about what it is that they're creating because mm. they're going to be asked about their ex-boyfriends or they're going to be asked about kind of what they meant when they tweeted this. So mm. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be accountability if they do kind of step out of the lines of what's acceptable and not acceptable. But the fact that none of them can even really speak about the work they're, they're creating now, I think that's that's a huge loss and that's our fault yep. as well. Um, and yeah, I would like, I'd love to hear more from Beyonce about how she creates, but we're never going to get that. Well, no, no. And it's so, and we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get her films. Um, like we'll get this, the, the, we'll get the Renaissance film and we got the homecoming performance and, and same with Taylor Swift. We got Miss Americana and we're getting the Eras tour in cinemas and, you know, like even in Miss Americana, uh, Taylor Swift talks about how like oh no it wasn't it was in the it was in the the notes that came along with the 1989 album um where she kind of put the Gaylor theory to rest oh. somewhat I think um where she says you know the press were saying that I was that I had too much too many boyfriends so for the 1989 album the first time around I just surround myself with women and even then that was sexualized and uh, and so on so it's yeah I mean not not to go down the route of Taylor Swift because I could talk about her for 48 hours straight, but like, you know, I think that her sort of way of reclaiming her music has been really interesting. She hasn't, we we know why she's doing it, but she hasn't talked about it really. 
like if you look at anything Taylor has said about her, it's very, very little about, about the reasons why she's re-recording her music. Every, everything is inference and us learning about record deals and, you know, us becoming a lot more literate about what, what actually happens in, in the music industry. But she, it's all in her art. It's all in her music and her music videos and in her Easter eggs and so on. Um, and I, I think a large part of that is fear. I think you're, you're you're right about that mm-hmm. fear yeah, that she's going to be seen too... as uh as like i don't know cash grabby or over powerful or well, um as i've said before greedy. do we really need more billionaires in the world <laughs> yes this, we don't <laughs> we do not but it is it all comes back to control and Joe, mm. it's a, the same parallel that we've seen with Britney, we've seen with Beyonce, we've seen with Janet Jackson. Control is a very yeah. important thing for female performers. And I think I do think that it's very interesting as well that say like Taylor is re-recording all of her material so she can own her masters. And then we see Bruce Springsteen and Justin Bieber selling their the rights to their masters for millions and millions and millions. So it's just yeah. what Joe, I, don't, I know Katy Perry has so, sold a portion of hers, but not the full... Not the full kit, but I mean, who wants the full? Sorry, no, I take that back. <laughs> I take it back. I'm not going to. I'd here. I, I'd buy. I kissed a girl. I feel like I'd I'd make I'd make some money out of owning that, but but it is interesting to see what control means for different artists of different mm. genres and different kind of legacies, and and different it, genders, different genders. So control is incredibly important to the people who've never really had it. And the people who've had it unknowingly can just sell it for a few million, for a few hundred million. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just sorry on that. Who owns Britney's Masters? Do we know? Wonder probably RCA. And I wonder, does she have any? I mean, I'd I'd imagine she doesn't own a thing. But she Fans must have many. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> perfume. Like she's still one of the highest earning. I wore that happy. perfume a lot as a great. teenager. They're great. I yeah. have two bottles. Okay. I will ask this year from Santa for a Britney perfume then to support. Yeah, get Britney. Midnight Fantasy. Um, that's the one that's. <laughs> you heard it okay. here first. That is uh, yeah. a, a Christmas. <laughs> a Christmas if you smell Midnight Fantasy, and my, my bottle is almost empty, so yeah, there you go. Get... <laughs> yeah. uh, don't Brittany wants to get in touch. Yeah. Uh, all right, we leave it there. So, guys, thanks a million, uh, Louise, for coming back and talking to us about thank the you. Britney, uh, book. Thanks. Having you on. Thanks. This kitten got your tongue tied in knots. I see. Spit it out cause I'm dying for company I notice that you got it, you notice that I want it You know that I can take it to the next level, baby If you want this goodness, sicker than the remix Baby, let me blow your mind tonight Thanks to Louise for coming on this week again Always good to have her and uh hear her thoughts on what's going on with the world of Britney and pop music as ever. And Andrea, thanks to you, of course, as well, for being here. And uh, uh, would you recommend the book to people? I would absolutely recommend the book to people. It's very well written. It's very moving. It's difficult at times. um, 
but I was really, really, really impressed by this book from Brittany. Uh, I would encourage Brittany fans, certainly, but they've probably already read it. Yeah. Um, but pop music fans more generally, I think, would learn a lot um, about one of the 20th centuries and 21st centuries most iconic pop artists. So 100% recommend. For sure, for sure. And uh, I think even it's a quite a quick uh, read as well or listen as well. Yeah, I'd listen to it within maybe, a couple so. of days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't listen on, on like, I, I listen on 1.5 speed when it's an audio book. I don't for podcasts. I know some of you out there <laughs> listen to us on 1.5 speed. This is for you. It's strange. Say things really fast. Say things really fast. <laughs> but um that's like yeah that i think partridge I, joke i was watching another part of season two and he's like his uh, ukrainian girlfriend he's like if you speak really fast you can't understand what you say say it <laughs> Talk <to> lynn. <laughs> <laughs> oh lynn yeah i think um i think the book's probably if you're listening to it, it's probably like five of five hours or so um if you're listening to it on like normal speed so you can do the maths on speeding it up for but sure very very good and excellently read by michelle williams very very good um and and as we mentioned in the main bit of the show there with louise um Brittany herself does read the introduction to the book and it's very very nice to hear from her so for sure Okay, someone else is nice to hear from is our Discord and Patreon members. And if you want to support us, it's patreon.com forward slash 909 where you can get access to playlists and the Discord where a lot of people are, are a little crew of people are talking and meeting up and uh, talking about gigs they're going to and other voices and all sorts of things coming up. So yeah, nice place to hang out online and come and find your crew. We're nice. We're nice people. We're very nice. We're people. nice people. Patreon.com forward slash nine or nine. And thank you to everybody who came to our Listen Closely uh, event at the Big Romance. Um, yeah. We'll have more information next week on the next one. Yeah, so it might be announced before we have it out next week, uh, but we stay tuned basically to nine or nine socials yep. and you'll hear all about the next Listen Closely album. We do album listening parties based off picking modern classics and talking a bit about them and then playing them on the lovely Toby Hatchet sound system. Our first one we had was Four Tets Rounds from 2003. Very interesting night to play that album and just to hear that album on those kind of lovely big, big speakers. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, so it's it's only about 40 people who couldn't come in. So it's a limited, small event on a Wednesday night. We're doing a monthly going forward. So you'll hear about the December one very shortly. So... That's it from us this week. Anything else you want to say, Andrea? Anything to impart? Any knowledge to impart? No. How many days to Christmas? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Let's let's just leave For, it there. Forty. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 40, 40 days? days to Christmas. 40, All right. 40 okay. or 41? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. That silence. Sorry. Keep that silence in because that was me trying to do maths. <laughs> okay. All right. Nice one. Okay. Talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. Listen to the Online Podcast. Bye. Bye.